The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Discover your geeky haven with Twink.com. We've been delivering you the best products and all things pop culture for more than 20 years. Enjoy a wide selection of officially licensed merch from your favorite fandoms. We carry top brands from Disney, Funko, Marvel, and DC, Star Wars, Harry Potter, and much, much more. We also offer an array of exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. With all these collectible goods, you're definitely going to need a bigger boat. Use code WINGEEKS15 for 15% off your order. to another episode it's a special episode this week guys of wookie radio it is the smugglers three ken derek and myself mike and joining us for this special episode i thought we were gonna get steve from toink but he's he i guess said he's not quite up to star wars snuff which would have been okay we would have gotten him along would have been fun discussion but we have returning back for her second appearance uh, of course, they are also one of our sponsors, as you heard at the beginning. Use code WINGEEKS for 15% off your purchase. That's Summer from Toink. How's everyone Hi doing tonight? Guys. Hello, hello. Yeah. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. So I got to ask on air, has the code been somewhat successful? You know, not um, like wildly so, but we've had a couple orders come through. So I think that's I think that's a success. I think that's a success. (laughs) I agree. I think. um, When did we start doing it? About a month ago. So yeah, yeah. See, yeah. So it's been about um, yeah. Somewhere about with this episode, be sixth episode in. So to have a couple in, in six weeks, yeah, take that. Absolutely. We're just excited to kind of join the team here and help support you guys and what you do. So, well, we, we keep pushing and plugging away. So, um, I know for me, my wish list is, is building each time I go on the site. It's like, <laughs> oh, no, this is dangerous. That, that's why I actually, unfortunately, try to stay away from the site because I know I can't buy everything I want on there. Um, Toink has, and, and I have ulterior motives I want to do with it. Point has the Tantor 5 hallway for 32 bucks. Nice. Oh, nice. I want to get it. That's a good deal. And then modify it to, to almost look like one of the, ha- what would be one of the hallways 
of the Halcyon. That would be cool. So I could then put figures on it that represent different characters that are common, like um, Ray, Kylo Ren, First Order Troopers, uh, a First Order officer, um, stuff like that. Uh, Chewie, get them on there. And then if they ever do the characters from the Halcyon, then add them to it as well. So that's the goal. Awesome. That's the goal I have. Um, well, before we get too deep into this, though, Summer, since you're on here, what's some of the um, new stuff that you're excited about on the on the site right now? Oh, okay. So that's a great question. We have had so many new things come in. Yeah, what's um, new that's been on here? A lot. <laughs> so yes, just an astronomical amount of things. Um, we've had a lot more of uh, Grogu or the child items come in from a popcorn popper to a cookie jar, um, different signage, but he is staying a fan favorite character. So <laughs> we have a lot. I have no idea why. <laughs> right? <laughs> I think it's those big ears. That's like what I blame it on every time. <laughs> Uh, we have okay I, i'm i'm flipping through at the moment i didn't interrupt for just a second because they have you guys had the funko um vinyl metallic gold yoda and for half a second it looked like yogurt from space Ball. <laughs> <laughs> i see I, I see what you're saying <laughs> at first glance <laughs> that's what i saw <laughs> that's true. okay go ahead sorry i didn't mean to interrupt <laughs> No, I appreciate it. Now you can't it. not see it, can you? <laughs> nope. It's going to live in my head now. <laughs> uh, I guess some of the other things um, that are newer to the site that I've really been loving are we've got a lot of Wampa stuff coming in. I don't know. I feel like cool. the Wampa is kind of one of the like characters that just really is vivid in my mind and memory, but you don't find merchandise uh, for the Wampa very often, so... Mm, yeah. Got like a a plush rug and some talking plushies and a couple of items like that. Uh, do you guys be I interested in? Um, I just saw that they had the Lego um, Dark Trooper Attack playset. Yes. Yes. We I, sure do. <laughs> I plan on going to Lego's website to get the instructions for this. Because again, I want to make a Lego. I, I love this hallway look. And I want to modify it to the Halcyon. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe because it's close to my heart at the moment. But you know, the, the hallway stuff looks, it, it looks great. It, it makes it easy to do some. Yeah, it also is really interactive. Like it just sucks you in. Yeah. Very um, iconic images from the movies and stuff. Uh, of course, I mentioned the uh, Tana 5 set. Um, y'all actually have as well that just came out. Uh, it's been out for a while, but y'all are carrying it now uh, from BioWorld, the Mandalorian Boba Fett backpack. Yes, and we have some um, Star Wars-themed Loungefly coming, too. We um, are just starting to carry Loungefly. I know it's really big in a lot of circles, um, but we're finally getting some pieces on our site. So Awesome. I'm a big fan. I actually got my first Loungefly backpack for Christmas, and it was Grogu. So. Ah. 
with the pod. My wife's actually gone through one. Uh, I think it was two years ago or three years ago. I got her the um, Ewoks animated backpack. The pattern over was all animated yeah, yeah. or images from the Ewoks animated series for the mini backpack. That's cool. The, and if it's the Grogu I'm thinking of, it, he's in the pod. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Zoe has that one as well. Oh, Zoe and Melissa share that one. It's it's so cute. I um I told my husband that for Christmas I wanted a Star Wars lounge fly and to just pick one. And so that was what he settled on and it was perfect. <laughs> awesome. Well, y'all also have two. And I think this is an awesome set. I have it because I bought it when Target put them out for the Galaxy's Edge um, crossover they did or um, mashup when, when Target had Galaxy's Edge exclusive for them. And it's the Star Wars Sabacc playing cards. Now, this is not a Sabacc deck. It's a 52 card, four suit deck, clubs, diamonds, hearts, spades. But the card shape is that of a Sabacc deck. So like, yeah, I know you've been eyeing those. <laughs> I have these and I'm like, these would be so cool for, for like a giveaway. And, and I got to say, we've talked and we're actually doing another giveaway with Toink. Uh, it's going to happen this weekend, if that's cool with you, Summer. Absolutely it is. And it's in honor of our 250th episode, which is what this episode is. Oh, Yay. guys, can you believe we've hit 250? I was wondering why you kept saying it was a special episode. I mean, having Summer on here is special, but I was like, wait a minute. You don't, usually, you don't usually play it up that big when we have a guest. It's 250. <laughs> I feel so honored. <laughs> and, and, and we have you know, a, a sponsor partner with us for that. I mean, can't get any better than that. Um, so we are giving away a Star Wars mystery box from Toink. And I think we will also be giving away the Sabacc playing cards as well. So Yes, I'm going to make sure we add those to the giveaway just in case they're not in the mystery box since we never know what's going to be inside. So. so who knows? You may end up with two decks, which is True. cool too. Um, but no, I, I saw these. I'm like, I don't know how many people ever saw these or got these when they were you know, two years ago when Target did that. Uh, I barely saw them and snagged a a pack for myself uh, and it's Star Wars Sabacc shaped playing cards and they're a nice quality card as well they have nice feel and texture to them not quite Theory 11 quality but still a great quality card I, I really like them they're fun so look for that this weekend um, probably gonna start at Friday and probably go Friday to Monday uh, over on Instagram so awesome there there we go um, hey they have the Star the R2D2 Tamagotchis on here Yes. Yes, we do. Of course, we we had. Uh, Forget all of that. I I have now seen the single most important thing that I need to get in my life. The Grogu seventeen piece art set. Nope. Okay. My life will not be complete until I get the Star Wars Yoda double sided dishwasher magnet. Yes, I saw those. There's a couple good ones there. That says the other side is dirty. They are. I must have that for my dishwasher. I have that on my dishwasher. <laughs> I, as soon as I saw that on the site, I grabbed it. I was like, that's, yep, that's coming home to summer. <laughs> uh, there are a few you know, others. In all series, though, my wife and I are always asking each other, are these clean or dirty? So yeah. I really do need to get that. There, There's a few other sets as well. There's the Mandalorian double-sided dishwasher magnet that says the way, not the way. Yeah, I like that. Um, and then light side, dark side, and ready, not ready. And the ready, not ready has uh, Grogu. 
So, um, but you know, since we're talking Toink and we're talking collectibles, Hasbro came out with the first fan collection, um, 2022 uh, celebration fan celebration announcement today. Uh, first up is a vintage collection, three and three quarter inch R2D2 figure. That this one's a little bit different than ones we've seen in the past. Um, it's a callback to the original '96 Kenner Empire Strikes Back card back from '81, um, which had the unique look of many others, uh, showing R2 and C3PO on a bright blue backdrop. What was unique about this was the the extendable sensor scope, which he used on Dagobah. But this one also has, uh, looking, it, it also shows too, one, the arms opens up for the taser rod to come out as well. Yeah, the welder. The welder, yeah. Cool. So this is pretty cool. Um, this would be, even though I have a bunch of R2s, this would be one that I... I would love to get only because it's got a little bit more of the interactive features to it with that sensor scope and the and the welder. Uh, also, two coming out, uh, three and three quarter inch Imperial Gunner figure uh, celebrating the original '96 Power of the Force Imperial Gunner, um, which came out. Oh, when was that originally? Um, I don't remember. I wasn't collecting was toys like much back then. 80, I want to say it was like 84, 85, right near the end, when about the only place you could find Star Wars figures was KB Toys or your mall toy store. Um, uh, toys. The, this, is, this figure was all new for its 2019 release on a Rogue One card back, and now they have, um, they're re-releasing him on a Return of the Jedi callback card back. Uh, the difference between Rogue One figure and this one is the shoulder logos, which appeared in Return of the, in the Return of the Jedi uniforms. So, um, n- for me, the next one would be let's get this one for Star, uh, for Star Wars A New Hope. That would be the first time we saw this character. Yeah. Also, too, um, we have two gaming greats coming. Actually, no, I am wrong. forgot I had downloaded the whole thing from Hasbro today. Uh, the other assets we have. My computer wants to revolt. Um, I'm going to go ahead and hit the next one from Rebel Scum. So I extract the files. What site of the, is that that you um, downloaded that off of? Was that off the Hasbro site? Yeah, it was from a, a link that I got from them earlier today, uh, press release-wise. Well, let me see. They may have it on their actual Hasbro Pulse site or something. Uh, actually, I got it right here. Here we go. Uh, my computer is rebelling against me. There we go. Uh, there's two new gaming great Black Series figures coming. A 13th Battalion Trooper figure. Uh, which is from Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, this would be the, the trooper with the with the yellow paint scheme. And then we also have Star Wars Black Series six inch gaming greats RC eleven forty fixer, another member of uh, Republic Commando with the Delta Squad. And then we also got three more uh, vintage collection figures. We got a new three and three quarter inch Stormtrooper that's come in or coming in, um, fully articulated. And then we have two Bespin guards. We have Isdom Eden uh, and Helder Spinoza um, that are coming. And basically no these are... Had, what's that? I said I didn't know Bespin guards had names. <laughs> Apparently they were given names 
um, at some anybody, point. Yeah, anybody who's ever been on screen in Star Wars has a name. Someone has given them a name. Yeah. It's just a matter of figuring that out. So Spinoza is the the Asian, or I guess now Hispanic-looking one, uh, and Eden is the African-American, which have gone all the way back to when they first came out in with the original Empire Strikes Back wave back in 80. Now, we had the two different Espen guards, Espen security guards. So I'm glad they're carrying these three all the way through. I, I think that's awesome. Stormtrooper, okay, it's just another Stormtrooper. But it's been a while since, since we've seen one, um, and this one's going to be on the... Star Wars New Hope uh, card back. So, and then from the Pop Insider, uh, we got news about Fidget Toys get a fandom twist uh, with Stranger Things, Star Wars, Marvel Poppets. And the two Marvel Poppets that are coming from Buffalo Games is Grogu and Darth Vader. I've seen these all over the place. I just, I don't understand it. You just push the bubble in? Yeah. Yes. I think I'm just too old for it. I don't think anyone is too old or too young for these. That's like the trick to fidgets. We, um, I hope at some point we get these because we don't have any officially licensed fidgets, but we do have a lot of fidgets on our site. And you see them a lot um, when it comes to like ADHD or anxiety because it's just a very repetitive focus kind of um, motion that you have to make. So they're seeing more and more people, you know, whether they're three or 83 finding these fidgets to kind of help with focus. It, so <laughs> it's re- in many ways, it's reusable bubble wrap. I like that. Yes. <laughs> Which is exactly what it is. It's reusable bubble wrap. Get done with it. Flip it over. Go the other way. Exactly. I actually, it drives me nuts. People pop bubble wrap. <laughs> is it the fact that they're wasting the bubble wrap that they could be using for other things? Or is it just the r- noise of it? Or just, yeah, just the noise of it, the sound of it. Yeah, this doesn't have the same type of this doesn't have the same type of pop sound as bubble wrap, but it does have a a, a pop sound, so to speak. Yeah, it's more um, subtle and less sharp. I think is the best way to kind of like describe it. Yeah, it's like a really deep uh, pin click sound without that final click. Yeah. Uh, Zoe has a couple to handle uh, when she gets overwhelmed and. Uh, some anxiety, uh, she, especially like when we're in the parks and and things get too much for her. Uh, she's got one of those to help calm her down. They're really good for like planes and stuff too, for where you have places where you have to like sit and just be having yeah. something like that can be, it's almost like um, knitting, you know, a lot of people used to like knit on planes and things like that because it was something to do with your hands and it was a repetitive process. So this is just a little bit easier, less stuff to carry with you and um and nowadays too it's important because uh all fidgets are made out of like silicone so they can all be cleaned and sanitized so yeah yeah Hmm. throw them in the dishwasher you'll be fine boom (laughs) so that's kind of like how i like to part of the reason why i like to put together legos and such i find it very relaxing yes the the pop sound uh, since you said Lego, it's kind of similar to a Lego click, that pop of a Lego to Legos mm-hmm. when you get that snap. It's almost got that type of snap sound to it. Mm-hmm. If you get the right one, there are some where they're, they're the silicone so loose, you really don't hear the pop. It's just, it goes back and forth. It's like, okay, flip, flip. Uh, you, you don't get the, the pop to, to focus on. So um, I guess moving right along, the Andor series 
has a release date reportedly premiering this summer on Disney Plus, which is interesting because we know Obi-Wan is coming six episodes on May 25th. And then we saw the Miss Marvel trailer and it's premiering June 8th. So the next big project looks like it's going to be Andor, the Rogue One prequel. And this is going to take place after Miss Marvel. This is kind of where we thought um, we were speculating it would end up at anyway, because we know it would either be Andor or um, Bad Batch season two. Right. Because we know they're both pretty much ready to go. And what? And since they announced Obi Wan, there was the only other thing would have been if they had slotted one of those in real quick now before Obi Wan. Yeah. But at this point, if they've not announced it, they're not going to slide anything else in right now. So it looks like I'm gonna I'm gonna guess. And again, yes, I work for the company. I have. I How have many no, episodes is Marvel supposed uh, to be? I don't remember. Uh, let me try and find out. We could also get some overlap on it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well. well uh, there is going to be overlap between yeah. May 25th and, and June 8th. Yeah, there's yeah. going to be overlap of a couple of weeks. It looks like there's going to be six episodes in mm. this Marvel. Okay. And, and we know Obi-Wan is six episodes. Yep. I think so and, that ends the end of June. Yeah. Last week of June. So we're going to have some overlap, which is fine. Yeah. Wednesdays are going to be really nice. Well, Mike, start the pool. I'm thinking early August. <laughs> I'm thinking, you say early August. Yeah. First or second week of August, but now as I'm saying it, I'm thinking end of August. But hey, that doesn't matter. I already came out and said the first. Um, give a give a month after Obi Wan goes off the air. I'm gonna say around July 27th. That'd be that's wow. about two weeks after Miss Marvel's done. How long is Andor? Do we know? I have not heard. No idea. Mandalorian's been averaging what 12, 13 episodes. No, uh, eight to ten. So say we start on uh, August 3rd, which is the first Wednesday in August. Yep. So eight episodes, if it was eight episodes, it takes us to September 21st. We know Mando is supposed to be October. It'd be end of October. That gives us a month to Mando then. Months to Mando. According to IMDb, Andor's going to have 12 episodes. This would be the longest of the series. Okay. Wow. So that gives us to the October 19th then, if we do it the first week of August. Yeah. Which actually, if they wanted to do it that way, then uh, put Mandalorian in at the 26th of October. I don't know if they're going to do it the next week, though. Unless they're going to move Mandalorian to around Thanksgiving. But Bad it's Batch possible. is supposed to be coming out around the same time as well, sometime this fall. They may try and put Bad Batch same time while one of these shows is running since it's animated. Yeah. Um, I know uh, on the other side, uh, the, uh, the, the other franchise, um, they've had Picard is actually overlapping with the last couple of weeks of Discovery over on Paramount Plus. Yeah. And they both release the same day. So the first, I think Discovery has one or two more episodes, and they this week is season is the third episode of Picard. Well, I guess the question comes down to with with those of us who are watching weekly the, these shows, does it really matter if there's an overlap of the series, like nope. Obi Wan and Miss Marvel, Miss Marvel and or and or Bad Batch, Bad Batch with Mandalorian? I love, well, love it. Yeah, well, look at history. Also, go to um, broadcast TV, the DC, the DC um, television universe, the Arrowverse. They've for years had two, three, four shows all running at the same time. Yeah, and pulling the ratings on all the shows. This is true. And they all start different. Times. Yeah. Oh, they're all and since the pandemic, they're everywhere now. I still have to catch up on all of that stuff. I'm like, a, I'm at least one season behind on all of them. I've stopped watching all of them. 
unfortunately for me, the only one I, I really care about that I have gotten behind on is uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, I want to see that one, too. Yeah, I still, I saw, I'm still watching now. I have to go back and um, restart Superman and Lois because I um, we saw the first five episodes and I've lost it since after that just because I didn't have time. So I want to go back and watch it. What about you, Summer? Oh, I um, I don't really watch a whole lot of DC stuff, but I um, for Star Wars, I don't mind if there's an overlap with things. Um, mostly because I think it like keeps the hype going, you know, just as soon as I'm like, oh no, like right now I feel like I'm like, okay, I'm waiting, what's next? But I kind of like it if I don't have to. <laughs> like the excitement just never wanes. I'm just always excited for what's next. <laughs> well, th- so. what's interesting though, you mentioned how there's not much going right now, specifically at this point, but I'm kind of surprised we've not got a gallery series for um, Boba Fett. Hmm. Have we not? We're making it behind the scenes. Did we not? Thought we did. Wow. That is a surprise. There's no special features for Boba Fett at all yet. That is a surprise. Unless they don't want to put that out thinking that it could spoil stuff for Mando season three. Uh, That's a possibility as well. Yeah, there is um, something on um, like behind the scenes of the book of Boba Fett, but I don't remember. That's one thing I haven't watched, actually. Actually, (laughs) Maybe that should be my filler. We, yeah. you, may be, you may be thinking the under the helmet. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. I haven't seen that yet. And that's a um, it's a history of Boba Fett. Oh, of okay. how better, even better. Of how he was supposed to the, the character because uh, the original you know we see the prototype armor being all white. Um, he was originally going to be a super stormtrooper. Yeah. Uh, was what the armor was going to be for. And then it changed to, no, he liked the look so much, like, let's make him something different instead. Make him his own character. And that's when they did the uh, the paint change. Got it. That makes sense. And they talk about all this in the in the series, or in that show. I'll have to watch it then. Because I'm, like, familiar with the overarching concepts, but I didn't know there was, that that broke it down. So now, now I've got something to fill in my time. <laughs> <laughs> As I wait eagerly for Obi-Wan. Well, speaking of waiting for Obi-Wan, I uh, got a couple stories here from about Obi-Wan uh, from comicbook.com. Uh, the Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi reportedly set to finally visit key franchise location. Um, in the original film, Luke Skywalker shared with Obi-Wan, look, I could take you as far as Anchorhead. You could get transport there to Mos Eisley or wherever you're going. Well, Anchorhead serves as a transportation hub for Tatooine. We may be seeing Anchorhead now in the Obi-Wan series. In Book of Boba Fett, we did see Toshi Station, another well-known locale that was just briefly mentioned in A New Hope, uh, which is said to be on the outskirts of Anchorhead. Uh, however, notes that um, Star Wars News Net notes that Obi-Wan Kenobi is set to feature a more bustling heart, the transportation central, those specific plot points about the events that unfold there have yet to be unveiled, which is fine. Well, let's wait for the show for that to happen. Um, but at this point in time, are y'all excited to see Anchorhead? Whether it's he's just, you know, the the bus speeder that he's on is either leaving or heading there, or he's going to Anchorhead to leave planet. Uh, to- well, Anchorhead's not the, not the spaceport. Anchorhead's more of a um, there. I think it's a midsize. It's going to be smaller than Mos Eisley. Obviously, way smaller than Mos Espa. Right. So it, I'm thinking it's more the size of Freetown or uh, Mos Pelgo. 
Um, it's going to be more of like a mining town type deal. Type. I mean, obviously moisture evaporators, but that general idea. You'll have it'll have like a general store. The and it's not going to be huge because remember Tashi Station that we saw was like one or two buildings. So this one may be ten or fifteen. Because remember, that's why they had to go all the way out. To, that's why he dropped him. At, he was planning on dropping him at Anchorhead, and from there he would move off to the spaceport at, at Mos Eisley, which was the bigger city. Right. So I think Anchorhead's not. It's going to be. It's a, it'll be a town, but it's not going to be huge, or shouldn't be. <laughs> True. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm excited though. I love how much they've been showing us of the planet of Tatooine. Like in all of these newer shows, you really start to get a picture for how important this planet is in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, for a planet that's the farthest from anything possibly um, exciting, it seems to be the most important planet in the whole galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> I feel the opposite way. I feel like they've been showing too much of Tatooine. We need to move on to something else. Yeah, well, unfortunately, the original trilogy set Tatooine up for all this stuff by putting Obi-Wan back on the planet and all these other things. I know. Are you saying you're tired of the sand? That gets everywhere. <laughs> it gets everywhere. It's all sand. rough. Well, I guess speaking of rough as well. We know rough cuts end up on cutting room floors at times. Apparently, so did Darth Maul scenes. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, and I did. We read through this article and I saw what you're talking about, Mike. It wasn't just that that was changed. So originally, the original character or the original antagonist for Obi-Wan was going to be Darth Maul. Uh, however, before those scenes were scrapped um, and they decided to bring Vader and the Inquisitors to the show, uh, it this is from Hollywood Reporter. Um, Maul was going to be the, was going to be the choice, and then they showed the scripts to Filoni and Favreau, who were fresh coming off the season of um, Mandalorian in 2019 and getting ready to work in, on season two. They Filoni and Favreau kind of scrapped the idea, which kind of makes sense because then it ruins the, the continuity of the story that we get from Rebels where Maul's searching for him and then finds him on Tatooine. Whereas yeah. if he already knew he was on Tatooine, the whole section of Rebels doesn't make sense. Well, there's that uh, update on the, on this story as well. Um, and Pablo Hidalgo himself has tweeted out that this whole story is BS. Okay. He did? Well then, that well that's why it says at the beginning, speculation. <laughs> Well, there because was- one of the other things that they said on here possibility was that um, the original script actually was had Obi Wan and and or um, Luke a similar relationship to Grogu and the Mandalorian. And that yeah. was another reason they wanted to change it because we all know that there's no way. Oh, but we know that from, would be true. But we know from some of the flashback issues of the comics with Obi Wan that Obi Wan and, and Owen have heat with each other. Or yeah. Owen has major heat with with Obi Wan that he doesn't want him around Luke because he's afraid Luke would go the would end up going the same route as as Anakin and he doesn't want that for him. Mm. Um, I'm wondering. I think we're going to see some of that in this show too of Obi Wan and Anakin or um, Obi Wan and Owen squaring off. I I hope so. It needs to be there. Yeah, I think so I, I think that would help um, show the tension later of uh, Luke and and Owen. When Luke mentions Ben Kenobi, and is is that the old hermit on the on the sea? Yeah. <clears throat> um, but the other speculation too on um, why 
this didn't happen was there were some personal issues going on, person, like personal scan, scandals going on with Ray Park that they didn't want. Yeah, I heard that. They did not want um, want that to be tied into the series and, did and, someone and hurt the series. Find a bit, did someone find some vague tweets from 30 years ago? Mm, no, let's just say there was a video involved. <laughs> there was a video involved. Ah. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Okay. Um, since we mentioned Rebels, we're waiting on Bad Batch. Uh, apparently, uh, again from comicbook.com, a new Star Wars anime series reportedly in the works. Hmm, I saw something on that. Um, apparently, Star Wars composer Kevin Kiner was a guest on the Convoy call, uh, which I guess comes from the direct, where he confirmed that Disney is developing another Star Wars anime series. Uh, Kenner has composed for Clone Wars, Rebels, and the Bad Batch, so he's very familiar with the inner workings of Lucasfilm. As far as what the new series could be, Kenner didn't say. However, he did hype it up, which should be music to the ears of Star Wars fans. You know, we're working on a new project. It's an animated project. It's a Star Wars project. That's all we could say. It's really, really freaking great. I love that. I I love that that's the description for it. Like, Okay. <laughs> cool. I, I think I kind of used the, the same same type of terminology discussing the Star Cruiser before it opened. That makes th- sense. But I think I went, it's really, really awesome. That um, is exactly what you said. You texted me that. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really awesome. <laughs> um, so uh, to, to the point where Lucasfilm and Disney are giving us full orchestra for every episode. Okay. Wow. It's a very special project. Some great, great people are involved. We're really privileged to be a part of that one. And I probably said too much already. So I'm hoping we know Filoni is involved with this, with him being head of all creative now. And he is the Lucasfilm animation god. Let's hope Favreau is involved with this. So Filoni could teach him the animation side. And this would be a great project for him to be learning on the animation side, going from new series, building a new series from from the beginning. Whereas Bad Batch to me is just an extension of the Clone Wars story-wise. This, yeah. If this is a brand new series. Um, now, there have been rumblings. Go ahead. I say with if Filoni gets more heavily involved, maybe because um, Resistance was fun. But did it obviously didn't feel have the feel of Clone Wars or Rebels or um, even Bad Batch or any of that. But I think a lot of that is the direct influence of Dave Filoni not being. I mean, he was involved, but he wasn't directly in the operation of it and the writing of it. So I'm thinking that that's we you could feel the him missing there. Yeah, and it was aimed at a much younger audience. Yes, but still. Rebels was aimed at younger audience than Clone Wars, but it still had the um, the Star Wars feel to it. Rebels, even though it was aimed at the younger audience, carried it, it was almost the reverse of say Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes was meant for a older audience, but carried mm-hmm. the younger audience. Rebels mm-hmm. was meant for the younger audience, but carried the older audience as well. Resistance hit um, the audience they were looking for. As as me, I did enjoy it. Wasn't exactly a. a, a favorite uh even though we did get some great characters out of it um but i mean we i don't think it truly hit even the audience it was intended for because at the time zoe was in that age group and she had no she really didn't finish the series Hmm. even though she has her her favorite character which is tora tora doza who we interviewed mirna on the show 
who who was the voice of of Torah. It it just wasn't something that she blamed onto. I will I watched the entire series. I did too, but I don't know. I just don't find a lot of it memorable. Yeah. So what would uh what would you guys like to see then as far as story ideas? Do you want to see like more from the time period between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens or Well some rumor speculation has it featuring the High Republic. That could make sense. Sort of like a Stranger Things in space. Yeah. I was thinking either that direction or what Derek was just mentioning sometime closer to the force awakens and actually fill in some more of the gaps of where, um, the first order coming onto the scene and, um, Leia breaking off and building the resistance from what was the new Republic military at one point. Yeah. Cause I don't think, I, I don't think they've really delved far enough into that. Yeah. You know? Well, they've, they've talked about how she built the resistance yeah. and a little bit about the first order coming on, but not a lot. The, the right. uh, apparently a 2021 report claimed that a mall animated series, which would also serve as a prequel to Solo, um, was coming to help fill one of the last big gaps in the character and how he became the head of Crimson Dawn. Well, let's flip that. Make this more of aimed at older um, kids and adults and give us a sequel to Solo finally and actually make it the Crimson Dawn series about Maul now that we know he's there and uh, maybe make it um, Kira's story. Uh, Let's go one. Let's go one deeper. We've already got the scripts for. Underworld. 13, 13? Or Underworld. Or Underworld. Yeah, Underworld. Let's turn it animated. But go more of a, um, Adult Swim, or not Adult Swim, because content-wise wouldn't be as, but just so it's aims at more at, like, the adults and the older kids. Go, go more of a TV-14. Yeah. Yeah. And, and let's hit the Underworld, since that's becoming a big thing here recently as well, between Boba Fett and everything else. Mm-hmm. But have it take place whenever Underworld was. And if you want to throw in there as part of sub story plot Maul becoming head of Crimson Dawn it would still fit in with the series I would actually see that that would be cool another set of stories that I've not seen much I mean there was the old books but um, in the current books I don't think there's much of it um, something a place that's not been touched almost at all in the newer versions of the canon between episodes one and two and actually Obi-Wan and a very young Anakin learning how to be a Jedi I think that's what the current comic's doing that's just coming yeah there's a there's an obi-wan comic coming out i think it's another obi-wan anakin is it a series or is it just a one shot i don't remember i mean there's plenty of stories i mean they could jump a hundred years in the future or five thousand years in the past give us the um the tales of the jedi yeah updated to the current version of what disney wants the canon to be yeah and what looks once Imagine that to bring back guys like XR Coon and some of these other ones that are hiding in the um, legends. Yeah, yeah. Have the Jedi actually bouncing around and um, mapping hyperspace routes? Yeah, that would, that would tie in with the High Republic stuff. Well, I'm saying go way back before that. Even go back like the Sith War. Well, if you do that, then I would I would assume you would then also tie in. Um, oh, what's his name? I don't. I hear the name, but I don't hear the name enough. So. Um, Oh, what's his name? Shrug Drabor. He is the founder of Shandrilla Starline, and it was his 
And the logo comes from the look of his hyper, hyperspace compass that he created. So he would have possibly been involved, too, in creating the hyperspace lanes or one of the uh, originators of the hyperspace lanes. Okay. And apparently around 2030 BBY, the Halcyon assisted in towing Starlight Beacon through hyperspace. So that's probably going to be, that'll be definitely in the, um, what the comic series that's going right now, probably. Probably. I don't know, it depends on how far back they go with it. Uh, they've already gone back. First issue, they went back to uh, High Republic. Yeah, it was the Republic. Yeah, the High Republic. Sorry. Yeah, with a nine, with a night hill attack on the ship. Yeah. So, um, now the Mandalorian, uh, the armor, Emily Swallow, speaks out on becoming Din Djarin's teacher in the Book of Boba Fett. Of course, we've had her on the show as well. Great, great time with her on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, she. When speaking with StarWars.com, she spoke about how the evolution of her character evolved as an educator. Uh, one of the things I personally love about her is that she is this warrior. She makes armor. She makes weapons. But she is so deliberate about when she chooses to fight. Uh, she is the keeper of something sacred. She respects something that's so deeply spiritual. And it's remarkable to have the space for that within this story. Is something that often gets skipped over in our fast-paced world these days. She's always trying to say, why don't you look at this like I think great teachers do? Instead of saying, this is what you need to think about, or this is what you need to think about, or I am not getting this quote right. This is what you need to think about this. What do you think? So, uh, of course, you know, the armor sp- stole a couple scenes in the first season of Book of Boba F- in uh, Mandalorian, and then surprised fans with her return in Book of Boba Fett. There hasn't been any indication if we'll see her again. Uh, but with stories of Dinshar and Bo-Katan building towards an effort to take back Mandalore, it's just, it's safe to say uh, the armor story is not far from over. So what do you guys think? I'm excited. I really love the armorer. Um, this is an- another strong female Star Wars character. But I really like the quote that you read at the beginning um, about where she's talking about how it's, like the armor is like a spiritual character and she brings this kind of like different moral code to things that goes deeper than just the surface of being a Mandalorian um, and takes it somewhere that's just like so sacred. And I just think that that's fantastic. Yeah. You don't often see female characters in roles that are um, like deeply spiritual like this. It's often a role kind of reserved for almost like um, male characters and often I think that's to reflect like priests or some more of like the male figurehead in the church and so for me um, that's like what I take away from the armorer I really want to know I would really like to see more on her background and find out where she came from what made her you know makes her who she is and, and uh, what she's been through yeah yeah even if we just get it in a book or a comic or something, I don't I know. Is was a member of is, Death Watch or the man or um, Darth Maul's Mandalorians? Because she's right, got yeah. spikes on her head, but she's also got a lot of Death Watch um, leanings in the way she teaches and stuff. Yeah, but then again, Darth Maul was running Death Watch for a while. I think she's one of his. Well, I yeah. Well, I I just find it interesting. How again when when he brings up Bo-Katan and of course Koska Reeves and and the guy with him from Nightwatch 
I was waiting to see if you actually remember that name too. I don't remember that name. Um, she basically says, yeah, they may be from Mandalore, but they're not Mandalorian. It's like, okay. It, 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 it's almost like saying you're not just because you're, you're of the people. You're not of, of the people. And, and it just shows how even the fandom is kind of split when it comes to the Mandalorians. Is it a religion? Is it a people? Well, we know there was the planet. We know there's the natives. But the ones who have become the religious zealots, are, are they true Mandalorian? The only one that I've seen that would potentially be true Mandalorian is Paz Vizsla. We don't know if the armor is true Mandalorian yeah. of Mandalore or if she was a foundling. Well, that's part of ne- never removing the helmet. You can't, you don't even know where they're from. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 th- I think it's intriguing. And I, that's one of the things I love about how um, how they're portraying the Mandalorians in in the two series. You know, we find out now Boba Fett's a foundling because of Jango, which ties in why they said Jango and Boba were not originally Mandalorian in the Clone Wars when brought up. Um, then, well, of course, every time we see Mandalorians in in Clone Wars, they took their helmets off. They were the natives. So it'd be interesting to see when this whole religion aspect started <clears throat> for, the, for the Mandalorians. Did it happen after the Purge? Did it happen I, during the actually Purge? The, um, the actual evolution of what Death Watch was. When they got down to only a and few of them left, they, they just took it on as actually more religious than just believing in the ideals of the Death Watch. They turned that into a religion. Yeah. Okay. Because if you listen to everything they say on there, it it sounds like it's coming straight out of pre Vizsla. Yeah. Everything that she's teaching, everything, all their tenets and everything. This is the way all that stuff. You could hear, you could almost um, hear uh, pre Vizsla writing this down for them. I don't know if this would be the right example to use or not. Would this be like comparing the Mandalorians, like Bo-Katan and and the armor to? And I know this is a stretch. Like Amish and Mennonite, Mennonite, the the Mennonite, but it'd be almost reverse. The way the armor is is more Amish than the Mennonite, and the and and taking the helmet off would be more like the Mennonites. I don't know. I don't think so, because everything we see um, from Bo-Katan and all the rest of the Mandalorians, they don't believe any of the stuff from the. Um, they've heard of the stuff from the children of the watch that she calls it but they have no belief in that at all if you're talking about amish and mennonite mennonite and amish still have a lot of the same beliefs okay so i don't know yeah. real it'd be like two totally separate religions and where the um well like i said it's um we've compared it um whether or not it's correct to um the difference between um the, you would know this mike with um religious jews or people that are racially jewish Okay. That's the example. Actually, Jewish, but don't follow the faith at all. That's the example that that sticks out to me. Yeah, there are people that there's a lot of people who fully um, follow the Jewish religion um, to the letter, or as much as you can. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well. Well, Yeah. But but I mean, I I, I'm Jewish. Yeah. And I do. I do see it where, of course, with Israel, if I really wanted to claim I could get dual citizenship with Israel being Jewish, um, because Judaism is one of those religions where not only is it a religion, but it's also a race. Yeah, that's why I said that's probably the closest I can think of to an Earth counterpart to this, that um, like Bo-Katan and them are racially and um, physically Mandalorian. Right. Whereas the armor sees 
the children of the watch as the ones that are religiously Mandalorian. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. It follows the actual true faith of the Mandalorian or the Mandalore. Uh, okay. So real world, since you want to go that route, the real world scenario you could go with is you have Judaism mm-hmm. and then the way the armor is preaching Mandalorian or the lore of Mandalore would be like your messianic Jews. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're not quite Jewish, but they follow all the practices mm-hmm. of Judaism, except they believe the Messiah. I think they believe the Messiah has come because they, I think they do follow New Testament as well, in which Judaism doesn't. See, I don't know enough about the Messianic yeah. Jews, but I know Messianic Jews technically are not Jewish or, or, the re, or a recognized branch of Judaism. Uh, you have your Orthodox your your Hasidic um, within your Orthodox, there's the ultra Orthodox, but they're still Orthodox. Uh, yeah. Your Reform, your Conservative. That's yeah. All religions have uh, all yeah. the different. Yeah. Depending on at some point, they're like, you know what, we don't like what you're doing. We're gonna right. So, um, but yeah, I, I would say it's you take your Judaism and then take. Um, I mean, cause I'm sure with the regular Mandalorians, there probably were sects that did not take off the helmet. Yeah, but what we're they seeing, got the, they got these ideas. They got the way from somewhere. But the way we see uh, Din Djarin and and the armor and, and even Paz Vizla is they might have gone sort of like the messianic Jew route, where they they keep the kosher laws, they they keep everything tighter, but they also bring in um, a little Christianity in with it as well type aspect, um, and that and that's where. Now we gotta have that. See, now I gotta look up what Messianic Jews are. I, I really, I really don't know. Okay, so according to Wikipedia, and again, I'm not doing this to to bash anyone. Um, it's a modern syncretic Christian religious movement that incorporates elements of Judaism and Jewish tradition with evangelical Christianity. Uh, prominently known as Jews for Jesus, uh, it was founded in 1973 by a conservative Baptist minister. So, yes, in many ways, it's exactly what, you know, what we're dealing with with the Mandalorians of all kinds is the same way as what we're dealing with with Judaism and the Messianic Jews mm-hmm. and Messianic Judaism. Okay. that That's how I would see, um, and he, because uh, I think this line kind of says it best as well uh, from Wikipedia. In Hebrew, they tend to refer themselves as maninim or believers, and I know I butchered it, not converts. In Yehudim, Yehudim, Jews, not not serum Christians. So they consider themselves to be believers, but not converts, which this is kind of exactly the same way as like the armor. She's a believer, not a convert. Yeah. Got it. Except, you, you know, Paz Vizla is native, who who has I guess, fallen into a brainwashing? Is this almost cult status as well? Well, like I said, we don't know. The armor may be Mandalorian by birth also. This is true, too. Like I said, I think it's the um, natural progression of where the Death Watch was to start with. And she actually, I think she came out of the part of Death Watch that was working in um, following under the leadership of Darth Maul, which already was a sect off of the Death Watch. Well, in that way, you know, Christianity terms, say Christian, you know, 
you have your different Christian groups, and then you have your Jehovah's Witness, which, you know, a misconception of Jehovah's Witnesses is it's almost a cult-like following with everything that they do, or or, or the Mormons, and it's hard to get out, you know, if you try and change that, change from that mentality. So, it, it, it's intriguing. I, w- I would love to hear what, what other people have to say about it and yeah. what their thoughts are. Yeah. Uh, interpretation-wise, of um, natives of Mandalore and Mandalorians and and what we're seeing with the more religious zealot side of Mandalorians. So um, I do have a question from Rural Farm Boy, um, Anthony, one of our great listeners. Uh, So I put out there, any questions for us for our 250th episode? He brings up, who remembers? When did you first listen? Did you follow along weekly on the radio? Did you record it on cassette tape? Star Wars, the original radio drama. Well, for me, it was sometime in the mid-90s. And I actually, um, the first time I heard it was actually I got it from the library on cassette tape. I came into it late. I, I Back when Napster was a thing, I searched Star Wars just to see what was up and came across the uh, the radio dramas. And that, that's how I discovered my love for them. I don't, I don't ever remember listening to them uh, when they originally aired. I wish I did. Because I would, I, would I would have recorded it on tape, and I would have been following along weekly as well. But I didn't. I had never heard of this until just now. I didn't know this oh, yeah. thing at all. The oh. original three Star Wars, NPR did them. Return of the Jedi was done about 10 or 12 years after they finished Empire. And it, it, it's only like three episodes. Where the other ones were a good eight to ten episodes each. And it's interesting because uh-huh. there's there's parts the people who wrote the, broke these down into the screen into the um, radio dramas. There's places where it drags, where they take one part of the story and it goes seems like it goes forever. Then other stuff they gloss right over it. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. The, but there's an all star cast. If you look at the cast of these things, how about you, Derek? I've never listened to. Ah. Oh. Oh. You can get them just about anywhere now. You can get download them from any library yeah. or whatever. They're all over the place. I'm sure you can watch them on YouTube at this point. Someone probably has them up on there. And then, because we have Summer on with us, and it is our 250th. Summer, do you have some questions for us? Yes, I have one for each of you to answer. It's the same question, but I wanted to know if there, out of all of your 250 episodes, is there an episode that you did that just really sticks out to you as um, being really memorable, either in like who is the guest on the show or like it changed your mind about something you had already kind of decided about Star Wars? Because I know that's happened to me a couple of times in really good discussions where I've like been dead set on a character or a storyline and then had someone give me a differing opinion and change my mind. So I wanted to know if you've ever had an episode that was just like, wow. No, I'll start on this one. I'm going to say yes, definitely. And it's episode three, which you will not get anymore. Uh, That's when we had our very first guest on the show. Um, A friend of mine, Mark Went, who was a Lucasfilm archivist. Great insight uh, to the company. Great insight to what he did uh, as an extra Attack of the Clones, which is not why I like Attack of the Clones um, <laughs> more than I like the other two. Um, You're the one. I'm the one. We've already, you guys you have known this. Have, like, why? Because I, I do not understand. <laughs> um, 
but also a lot of great insight about George, about George Lucas himself. Um, but what was it, guys? Six months, eight months later, we had to take it down. Um, because even though he he said nothing negative, um, I guess he was still under an NDA that he thought he was no longer under. Um, and still had, um, but was also asked to because there's things brought up that George still likes to keep personal and doesn't like to have put out there uh, to, to kind of keep. So this was, this was actually a direct um, request from George himself. Uh, I don't know if it was from George or George's people and, and I'm not going to dig into it. Um, but I know Mark called me in all of a panic going, can we get this down? I'm like, yeah. I said, the only copies that are going to be out there now are those that, People have already downloaded. Other than that, they're not going to find it from this point forward. Consider it gone. I mean, I the lost episode. I yeah. I I have a copy on my own that is just for me because I happen to download it. But I will I will never republish that episode ever. Even if Mark said we had the okay to republish it, I won't do it. I just won't. Do you have the original? I do. Recording? I do. Well, no, I have I have the original uh, edited release. What what ended up being published? I, I have that, but um, I have a copy of that. But I it, it's on my own personal files, and it will it will not. It's not on our server, and it it's not in the library because it's not on the websites either. And right now, the hard drive that it's sitting on, I don't have access to. Uh, I gotta get that hard drive fixed. So. There's no way right now I could put it out, even if I wanted to, and I won't just because. But that was my that was one of my favorite episodes. That must have been hard then to delete it, but also I think as you know, a lifelong fan and understanding person, like I, I can tell that you took that very seriously. And I think that just shows like how diehard of a fan you are, because a lot of people would have just been upset that they had to take it down or refuse to. So uh well he's also a good friend. Yeah. Um so I mean I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hurt a friend. Um I mean I've I've had to do stuff similar for Mighty Marvel Geeks in an interview and they go, okay, this section here, can you can you clip this and send it to us so I can have it approved by Disney Legal. Talking about a scary moment being a Disney cast member myself going, oh, oh no crap. I can lose the show. Um, and legal came back and said, everything's great except for the small little section. Can you guys redo this question here and redo your answer and get back to us? So we redid that. I pieced everything back together, sent it back to him. He sent it back to legal. Legal said, cool. We're good with this. Enjoy. Awesome. Have fun with it. Cool. If, if that's what I got to do for a show. That's what I'll do for a show. Um, Derek knows that we've done this with, uh, with Weeby Geeks, where people come back to us and said, uh, we said something I wasn't supposed to say. Can we cut this? Yep. Um, actually, we had it happen during the show, right, Derek? With Playmates. <laughs> with Turtles. They're like, yeah. all of a sudden, hear, one of the, hear the VP go, uh, oh, so we are talking about this now. And the other guy goes, oops. I'm like, okay, let me stop recording. <laughs> Do I need to remove this? <laughs> They're like, yeah, let's go ahead and remove this. So I cut it out and pick back up and start recording again. So, yeah. All right. I don't know, Derek, what's your, what's yours? That's a really tough question. It is. But like I said, for me, for most memorable, that was the most memorable because it's now a show that just the, four of us are going to get and again whatever copies are out there are out there but no one's going to have that memory of the show like like we had i think um 
I think for me, it's always anytime I get to talk to somebody who can tell us about the behind the scenes stuff, because I really I love behind the scenes stuff for movies and such. I love, you know, I love I love seeing how they're made and, and hearing the stories that you, you wouldn't know otherwise. And so I think anytime we have like somebody like that, like an actor or or whatnot or uh, Ken, your friend that we had on. That, that's Jawa. where I was going to go for mine. I'll talk, I'll talk about that one in a second. <laughs> that's all I'll say then about that one. But yeah, anytime we have somebody on who can tell us about the behind the scenes making of the things, I always find it fascinating. Well, speaking of that, we actually, we were talking about the armor so much. We actually had Emily on here. Yeah. Emily Swallows talking yeah. about it. So oh, we also had, before she, huh? I was going to say too, we also had Molly. Who That's is, where I'm going. My, my memory is, um, and I had to go back in the archives and look at this episode 147. Oh. We actually had a, fr- a personal friend of mine, Molly Miller, who does stunts, uh, did, um, came up doing stunts with me and stuff that lives out in LA. Now she was actually a Jawa on the Mandalorian okay. for season one. Well, we need to get her back because she's involved in Obi-Wan. Well, yeah, I found out she uh, I, and she's put it out there. She no one has any idea what she did or anything else, but she was in man or Obi-Wan also. So now I got to figure out where she was, what she did. I have a general idea of what it might be. If so, it'd be the coolest thing I've ever known. Coolest person I've ever known. But well, I don't know. We need to get her back on the show. Yeah. So, but yeah. Well, well, she announces back. what she's done. We need to get her uh-huh. on the show. Well, we were the first podcast she's ever done. Yeah. And she liked Star Wars. She thought it was cool, but she didn't realize um, at that point even um, we had kind of clued her in on what what it is that now she's been in Star Wars at all. As an actor in that community, she didn't realize what the difference is. I told her, I was like, Molly, you can go to conventions for the rest of your life and never do anything but that and actually um, be yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you were in a couple of scenes of Mandalorian as a stunt – and she was a stunt Jawa. There was only like four or five of them in there. The rest of them were just regular little people and kids. I, th- I thought she said she also did one other role besides the Jawa. I don't remember. I have to go back and listen. But she that she talks about um, she she did a lot of mocap work for Avatar two and three that are not out yet. Yeah. When she first went out to L.A. So that, that was fun too. A lot that, of that stuff. It was a podcast. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah, fun. she'd never done an interview for stunt work yet before. And then we, That's awesome. <laughs> that, I think one of the other cool ones. Um, even though we didn't have him on the show long because of uh, he was off to go do a charity event, uh, Dominic Pace, yeah, who was Gecko, oh, yeah, uh, and he has become such a ambassador for Star Wars, and this is a man who has less screen time than Boba Fett did in any of the movies, and he has yeah. become one of the biggest ambassadors for the franchise, and has done so much for the community in the name of Star Wars. Um, it is great. Uh, love love dealing with him. That's awesome. I love hearing your um, big, impactful episodes. I like, like, two, when you said this was the 250th episode, I just could barely wrap my brain around it. That's more than five years of episodes. Like, that's crazy, yeah. guys. That's a huge achievement. We, we will hit six years in July. Yeah. We just hit seven for my other podcast uh, in January. You guys, I know, are at that point or just over that point for um, Weeby Geeks. Weeby Geeks will be ten years old in November. Yeah. Wow. We just did. Uh, we just hit five years for my Keepers of the Fringe podcast. That's. A, that's. A, I mean, yeah, we're saying five years, but that's a huge thing because uh, we've talked about that on Geek Watch One here. That that's every week 
same day, same time. It's a schedule, and you get maybe two, three weeks you take off a year. But other than that, every week, every year, saying, uh, "Hey, we're going to do this." You schedule your life around it, basically. Mighty Marvel, Ge- Mighty Marvel Geeks will be nine years old in November as well. Um, and of course, episode-wise, uh, this week, uh, obviously, this is two fifty here. Uh, Mighty Marvel Geeks will record three seventy-two, and Weeby Geeks will be four twenty-seven. Wow! Yeah, four twenty-seven. That's crazy. What keeps you doing it? What keeps you making podcasts, showing back up every week? It's fun. These, I, I will say, these guys uh, and Eric and Kylan uh, with the other show, because as you know, Derek and I are we are Weeby Geeks. Uh, what makes this show different from Weeby Geeks is one, Ken, two, Star Wars. That's all we talk about, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, these guys are. <clears throat> that's what makes the show great. This, this was recording the shows is what was one of the things I looked forward to during my time that was furloughed. Um, I mean, I enjoyed being off and, and dealing with the family and I saw my family more then than I have, you know, for the longest time while working, but you know, with the craziness and everything else, podcasting was that escape and that, um, and it still, it still is for the stress one. I, I look forward to seeing these gentlemen each week to watch your mouth. Okay. These smugglers <laughs> to, to record each week. Yep. Um, so here's something that'll blow your mind. So on my keepers of the fringe podcast, we do the main focus of the show is every week we do a review of a, um, what we call a fringe movie, which would be, you know, like a lesser known movie, a B movie, an indie film, something like that. And we just released episode 223, which means Give or take, uh, there's been a few times we've reviewed newer movies or whatever, but that's over 200 movies, yeah. fringe movies we've watched for our podcast in the last five years. Wow. Oh. wow. <laughs> and it's that many hours that he can't get back. And they weren't, they weren't all good, I can tell you that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, any f- other final thoughts or final questions? Not really, but thanks for having me again. It was always a blast to catch up with you guys and talk Star Wars. So, (laughs) and and go to Toink. I mean, Tonk. (laughs) (laughs) Go to Toink.com. T O Y N K dot com. Use code WinGeeks15. Is it WinGeeks or WinGeek? WinGeeks15. For 15% off your purchase. Is that first purchase or any purchase? Any purchase. Any purchase. Yes. <laughs> so, buy, so if you buy today, you can use the code again two days from now when you decide, yeah, I really want that too. And it doesn't have to be just Star Wars. It could be anything. <laughs> it's very exciting. <laughs> so so use that code. Use it often. Help Toink help us. And um, Ken, Derek, final thoughts from you guys? Uh, just, you know, thanks for coming on. It we. It's always fun having people on and uh, <clears throat> for different reasons. Sometimes podcasts. One of them being, we've already talked to these, I've already talked to these guys for 250 episodes. It's nice to have a different voice in there. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Hey, we resemble but, that remark. No, it's sick of each other, but. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah, but it, so it's great to have you on. And you, it's 
you're always welcome to join us. Oh, very much so. Thank (laughs) you. Very much so. And you know, for the 250th time, I'm going to let it be said. Give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jinx, I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2!